people who are fighting for freedom are willing to sacrifice themselves at the hope that maybe their family or their communities might live freer. Are you willing to go on a hunger strike? I was taken to that secret side room and I was interrogated. What is the one message that they made sure that I had before I actually was allowed to enter into Palestine? They made sure that I knew that they knew who my grandparents were, when they were married, where they were born, what they did for a living. Yeah, big fans of genealogy, those folks. <laughs> We've all heard by now about the apartheid state's raid on seven Palestinian human rights organizations in the the occupied Ramallah area, the occupation army goes into the offices of these human rights organizations, destroys all sorts of files. The Defense for Children International, a human rights organization that documents Israel's attacks and arrests and kidnappings of Palestinian children. Well, in fairness, they don't want records of that. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Palestine the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram, and you can call me Mikey Intifada if your narrative is so weak that you're threatened by a Netflix TV show. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. And if you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the Palestine. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes, an additional one to two podcasts per week, including our latest podcast, the Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours for Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine. If we want to go down this whole thing about like normalization and Mo, then I think there's probably a couple of things we could say. There's a portion where he says, I'd be fine going back to the 67 borders. The way that the Arabic translation of Jerusalem is translated as Orshalim, which is the Zionist way of saying Whoa, it. Whoa, what? This, this was called out by Adnan. What? In yeah. the Arabic subtitles? Translation, yeah. In the, in the closed captioning? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't even know about that. I mean, he's not in control of that, but he wrote yeah. the portion about like 67. So mm -hmm. he does know about that. He should give credit where credit is due because the show is good and it does a good job of like portraying the Palestinian experience, especially like it, I felt like I was listening to your story again when, yeah. you know, he goes from Kuwait back to it's basically you. you it's 100 percent the, the, the life I lived. Yeah. The, the only difference is he. He lived in a different neighborhood in Kuwait. Like we lived in Jabriya and he lived in uh, Ahmadi. That's it. That's like literally it. <laughs> we went right. through the same shit where we had to go through so many years of waiting in the U.S. Stateless refugees can't go anywhere, can't do anything. You're just waiting, waiting, waiting to, to then eventually have, you know, one day to go have your case be decided by an asylum judge. We went through all of that. The original person, I don't know a Palestinian alive that says garbage like this. I don't think that's true. There are Palestinians who would th say things like that, but yeah. not every not every single Palestinian is a representative for like full liberation either. That, I mean, not every single Palestinian is like fully informed on why it has to be an, a 
you know, free Palestine from the river to the sea. That's why the Palestinian Authority exists. That's why Mahmoud Abbas exists. That's why some of these brain dead idiots that think that you can negotiate with the apartheid state exist. I mean, they do yeah. exist. We can disagree with that statement about we'd be fine with the 67 borders. I disagree with that because I don't think that any negotiation with the apartheid state will ever result in any ounce of liberation, will ever result in any ounce of us getting our rights back. Whether it's getting our rights back within this amount of you know land or the full scope of Palestine, all that was taken. That being said, there are people like him who do exist, but I think they're wrong. As Palestinians, they're entitled to their own opinions about our liberation struggle. But I do disagree with the approach. I, I don't think that we're going to be able to negotiate ourselves out of settler colonialism. <laughs> Just look at the Native Americans, people. It didn't exactly go well for them. Yeah, it's unfortunate to have to have that in there because it just reinforces some of the narratives that we're trying to dismantle, which are already so prevalent. But to say that there aren't people like that, I think is also disingenuous. Yeah. Also, I think you got to recognize if he had taken the stance, we're going to liberate the entirety of Palestine, the show probably wouldn't be on Netflix. Yeah. And that's uh, why I'm not on Netflix, okay? <laughs> that is the that only is, reason. Yes, that is why the Palestine Pod is not a weekly show on Netflix. Exactly. I will say it is interesting. Oh, I was just saying that's why I don't have a Netflix special. Oh, just you. Uh, okay, excuse that's me. That's the only reason that I don't. It's just you. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is interesting how the show referred to the apartheid state. So in moment, in certain moments, they refer to them as the IDF. They don't even say Israel. They just say the IDF. When the IDF kicked us out of our houses or whatever. When the IDF did this. And it's like, I don't like, first of all, I don't like using the terminology IDF because they're not defensive of anything. They're not in defense of anything except for apartheid. So, okay. That needs to go away. They are very defensive about that, though. <laughs> but it's a bit confusing if you don't know you're like what's the idf like you're watching this you're like i don't know what that is and then also i think in certain moments there was a reference to the idf when we were talking when they were talking about 1948 and it's like they didn't even exist at that point we were talking we're talking just about like zionist gangs like Malicious. little militias yeah. like people that just like terrorists yeah exactly and so it's organized even... terrorists who had come from Europe with experience in fighting the world war. They had money, they had guns, they had intelligence, they had what are called village files, meaning that they had scoped out the entirety of the land of Palestine, taken extensive notes on the possibility of resistance. So they knew how many like guns were in specific villages, they knew who, who had them, they knew who to first target to stop any type of resistance from within. Right. So it's not historically accurate to refer to anything during the Nakba time as the idea. Right? right. So that was an interesting choice of words. But occasionally they did use the word the Zionists. And I thought that was also a little bold because I wasn't sure that they were going to be able to say that. But I thought that was very good that it managed to get out. These so days, the Zionists is like the preferred terminology. You know, and if by you talk who? to by like, Zionists, no, no, by yeah. like Palestinians, I think oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And like, you know, if you talk to Zionists, they'll try and be like, people are just switching out Zionist for Jew. And it's like, I guarantee you I'm not. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I guarantee you I mean Zionist. 
I thought it was also kind of strange how they have a character who kind of like represents Zionism in right. the shop and it's like they get along, like they hang out and play it was cards weird. and stuff. And I was like, I don't love that, honestly. Because that was very normalizery. I'm cutting out people in my own life. You know what I mean? So it doesn't right. make sense for there to be a representative on the show. Right. That is, you know, put able to put that all behind him. To just and... play cards with a guy who right. seems to insult everybody in every scene for no reason. Right. But maybe that's, I mean, I don't know, like... Are, Maybe the fact that it's so unbelievable is what we're supposed to get from it. I don't know. You know, maybe we're not supposed to receive But the thing is, is that it's not unbelievable that that guy would act that way. Oh, you think it's unbelievable that he would just like be included in the group? Yeah, Yeah, that is unbelievable. Yeah, Yeah. he's, yeah, it's a very strange dynamic that they've created. So I don't know what we're supposed to get out of it, but at first glance, it does seem a little normalizery. But then do they need a guy that will just present those views so that then they can have something yes that's what it is yeah it's he's there to deliver exposition right Right. and to provide context for the position of mo and the rest of the people in the show but yeah it just feels icky it feels like if we could all just play mahjong or whatever the fuck then we would just solve all these problems you know yeah it does seem like they're oversimplifying that they're playing something oh yes i remember yeah yeah yeah. i was i'm sorry i was just (laughs) mahjong (laughs) you know palestinians they we are known for our love of mahjong oh yeah big big game in bethlehem so we've all heard by now about the apartheid state's raid on seven Palestinian human rights organizations in the occupied Ramallah area last week. And we know that a lot of you may have seen the videos circulating on on social media. The occupation army goes into the offices of these human rights organizations, destroys all sorts of office supplies, files, documents, can be seen sitting around in the chairs of the employees of these organizations and basically just creating and leaving a trail of destruction behind them. And in the aftermath of these raids, the apartheid state reiterates its absolutely unsupported claims that these human rights organizations are front groups for the PFLP and are, as a result, quote-unquote, terrorist organizations. Now, we've talked about these organizations before because previously, the apartheid state has designated them as so-called terrorist organizations, and the U.S. and the EU have come out and said that the apartheid state has provided absolutely no support for such designation and that they do not agree with the designation made by them. And despite... In other words, they're lying. Yes. And despite this reaction by the U.S. and the EU, the apartheid state has taken it upon itself to conduct these physical raids whereby they have destroyed years and years of research and work and documentation on their own human rights abuses of Palestinian children, women, and youth, and have done so in the utmost impunity because In the aftermath of these raids, you have the U.S. and the EU, which are both saying, yeah, we still don't think that these guys are terrorist organizations and we totally disagree with this designation. 
but they have refused to step up and to apply any sort of pressure on the apartheid state to hold them accountable in any sort of way for having carried out these raids. So um, I want to just share some quotes from some of the organizations that have been affected. The organizations affected were, of course, Adamir Al-Haq, the Bissan Center for Research and Development, Defense for Children International Palestine, the Union of Palestinian Women's Committees, the Union of Agricultural Work Committees, and the Union of Health Work Committees. And by the way, Michael, nothing says, you know, brave occupation soldiers fighting terrorists like attacking a union of Palestinian farmers, right? What a worthy adversary. (laughs) Completely. Or the Defense for Children International, a human rights organization that documents Israel's attacks and arrests and kidnappings of Palestinian children. Well, in fairness, they don't want records of that. <laughs> that is true. So Khaled Khuzmar, who is the director of Defense for Children International Palestine, said, quote, in the past, they used to work in order to silence us, and now they are working in order to eliminate us, eliminate our work and even the organization. Khuzmar himself was summoned by Shin Beit, Israel's secret police for an interview on the Sunday following the raids, and the officer made clear that he knew detailed information about Kuzmar's family members in order to intimidate him. Now, I just want to remind you guys, I landed, I was taken to that secret side room, and I was interrogated by I don't even know who. What is the one message that they made sure that I had before I exited that room and actually was allowed to enter into Palestine? They made sure that I knew that they knew things about my family. They made sure that I knew that they knew who my grandparents were, when they were married, where they were born, what they did for a living. Uh, They made sure that uh, I knew that they had photos of my family, that they could tell me who was related to who. This is a classic tactic of the apartheid state in order to intimidate and humiliate and to put pressure on and to scare Palestinians. Yeah, big fans of genealogy, those folks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the director of Al-Haq, Shawan Jabarin, has said they haven't faced ever any real accountability. They failed in the last 15 years to silence us, to push back, to get us down and dry our resources, he said, leaving Israel with the final tactic, quote, to declare us a terrorist organization. We are not ready to accept this. We challenge them to prove what they say. Now, of course, they will never be able to prove this because they have been making these claims now for for over a year, and been unable to come up with even a shred of evidence. They broke into the offices, and they still didn't do any work. They just sat around. You know what I right? mean? Like, very right. on brand for them. Extremely. Sat around, put their feet up on the desks. You know, just so... Made it smell bad. Like, yeah. just fucked up the place. Kuzmar, somebody claiming to be an agent with the Shin Beit, called Jabarin, who is the director of Al-Haq, and summoned him to a nearby military base. Jabarin, who said that the phone call was of a threatening nature, quote, refused to comply. And he said, if they have a problem with Shawan Jabarin, the only thing I ask for is due process and a fair trial. Let them take me today, he said, pledging to continue the organization's human rights work despite the first threats. And they're like, we'll be right over. <laughs> Jabarin also said, if there's one person who should be behind bars, it's Mr. Gantz and his commanders, those who are responsible for committing war crimes and occupied territory, including Gaza, East Jerusalem, and the West Bank. That is true. History will remember that, but doesn't seem like a great situation to be in. Yeah. The classified 
CIA report, the agency was unable to find any evidence to support Israel's decision to designate the Palestinian groups as terrorist organizations. And uh, Electronic Intifada has reported that the U.S. agency received intelligence from Israel regarding the designations, but like multiple European countries, quote, did not find any evidence to support the claim. So I wonder, like, what is Israel sending, like, the Europe and the CIA? Like, they're not yeah. sending them evidence. So what are they sending them? Just drawings in crayon. <laughs> what, what are the files that are being sent? Everyone who's opening them is like, they don't <laughs> say what you say they say. The people at the State Department thought it was spam. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, and on top of that, like about a month ago or so, the nine member states of the European Union said in a joint statement that no substantial information right. was received from Israel that would justify reviewing our policy towards the six exactly. Palestinian NGOs. And we already covered that. But, yes. you know, it's just uh, it's wild because it shows the disconnect between the United States intelligence that's coming out that they're obviously not terrorist organizations. There's no information to support that. And then the State Department, who is like unwilling to take a position one way or another, and they're just like, listen, listen, Israel says they're a terrorist and we got to listen to daddy. <laughs> I mean, listen, the State Department, they are engaged in this exercise, right, of, of just saying anything they possibly can to stall, right? So whenever yeah. whenever Ned Price is up, you know, behind that mic and they're like, hey, so like, you know, the CIA said that they're not terrorists and like Israel didn't actually give any And Ned Price is like, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> <laughs> Ned Price is like, um, well, we're just gonna try to get more info, okay? Um, we're just, yeah. we need more info. And then And then they were like, it's been like a year do you have anything in the past year? <laughs> and he's like, well, we did receive something today, but I just, you know, we're just going to wait. But it's like listening it, to a yeah. balloon deflate. You ever, it's just like slow, like, whoo. It is so weird that we're talking about the level of the State Department. Okay, This yeah. should be like, like, this should be, there is, it just doesn't make sense. The level of discussion at that level is so low when it comes to Israel is so hell bent on covering up for them the CIA said Israel has provided no evidence Ned Price says we are waiting for for more info they've had over a year to provide you with the info and the info they've provided shows nothing so yeah, and it's not like the CIA cares about good intelligence. No. You know what I mean? Like the CIA did Iraq, right? right. So they, they were the weapons of mass destruction, folks. It's not like they are hell-bent on keeping accuracy to the facts. So it's no. like if they say there's no evidence to support it, like they really found nothing because they like to make shit up. Sure. Totally. But... That means that these organizations are so squeaky clean yes. that even photoshopping shit would look weird for them. Yes, thank you. That's exactly what that shows. Because these and are... Then, yeah. And then Ned Price is trying to say something, but he is actually a puppet 
And there is an Israeli with his hand so far up his ass that he can't move his mouth without the approval of the occupation. Ned Price is actually one of Jeff Dunham's puppets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Controlled by the occupation. Pretty good. He looks like one, too. But, but here's, like, just... Let's just understand this. When asked why the U.S. wouldn't forthrightly condemn Israel's actions, Ned Price said, the Israelis have told us that they have information in their possession. End quote. So why don't they give it to you, Ned? Hey, sometimes you don't want to inquire. So why are they sending you the information that doesn't prove what they are saying? They just sent him a dick pic. <laughs> I just... Guys. And he's like, ah, oh, guys, I told you, not again. Send me the information. And he and he will he will die. He will go to his Hopefully. grave. No. <laughs> he will go to his grave being like, but they said they yeah. have info. Yeah, yeah. We're waiting on more information. <laughs> his last words. <laughs> guys. Israel said, I believe them. Imagine believing an organization that is responsible for the most amount of lies in the history of like the last 70 years. Yeah. I mean, take a look at they they lied about the they they lied about, uh, about everything. Murder. No, but just in the same like news cycle, right? They lied about murdering five Palestinian children in Gaza who yeah. were visiting their grandparents' grave at the cemetery. They yeah. lied about it. They and they lied about murdering Shireen Abakla as well. And then they came out and were like, oopsies, it was us after all, you know? And it's like, Big okay, whoops. so you lied. So whoops. you lied. So you, you always lie, in fact. You, 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 we have like two documented instances of you lying and coming out and being like, yeah, it was us. And yeah. nothing happens anyway. But So you lie, and then you know you're, it's a lie because you've admitted that it's a lie. They're a habitual lie stepper. Here we are again. And, and Ned Price is taking them at their word. You know, as if they are the most credible source to be relied upon. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, it makes sense if you uh, follow the money. Price was admitting that the U.S. is giving Israel indefinite time to retroactively justify the designation, potentially putting the organization's staff and wider networks at risk of arbitrary detention and torture. So who cares? Detain them, shut down the offices, destroy everything. Waiting for them. more info. Waiting for more info. Well, while the State Department... <laughs> People just... are languishing in dungeons, being tortured, waiting, waiting for more info. Exactly. This is the U.S. policy towards... You love the urgency of Ned Price, right? That's a guy who understands urgency. By the way, when we talk about Ned Price, we really mean the U.S. Because he is yeah. the person reflecting the U.S. policy towards... Israel yeah, he's just the talking head who looks like Mr. Burns. Like he's yeah. that's all he is this time. There's been a million Ned Prices before him. Yeah. He's like the agent in the Matrix where like anybody could get their body inhabited by that guy. <laughs> yes. Totally. All of a sudden people are just like, I believe in a two-state solution. It's like, where did that even come from? <laughs> How did you learn that phrase? Susan Power, the head of Al-Haq's legal research and advocacy department, 
said, we are looking at the potential imprisonment of people on secret evidence and confidential files. And this lack of due process and this reliance on secret evidence goes all the way up to the Israeli High Court of Justice, the Supreme Court of Israel. We're really looking at a system that is rotten from the inside out. When I hear Ned Price giving more time to Israel to dredge up more evidence, that's there's very, very serious repercussions. <laughs> secret evidence, secret prisons. The U.S. is like, sounds good. She also said, let's not forget that the accountants from the health work committee who were interrogated were interrogated under torture. That is universally prohibited, and it's prohibited also by the U.S. <laughs> not anymore. Shout out John Yu. They were like, oh, you guys are going to do secret torture? We got a couple black sites you could use. We stopped, yeah. uh, we, we stopped using them. <laughs> this is the level of total disregard that you are treated with if you're a Palestinian just trying to exist. If you're a Palestinian with a human rights organization that says, hey, you shouldn't kill or you know arrest, kidnap children, this is the level of suspicion that you're treated with. Even though you are squeaky clean, even though you have absolutely not a single iota of evidence that could be brought forth against you. Because believe me, if there was any, the apartheid state would not have hesitated to use it, right? But the fact mm -hmm. is there's none. They, they can't they can't provide anything and everyone who who has assessed the the information that has been provided by them has has agreed on that so but if you're Palestinian it doesn't matter because what the apartheid state says goes even if it flies in the face of the evidence they don't care about the evidence oh hey you know what's cool on top of all that is in addition to just randomly maligning these organizations who do great work as terrorist organizations and then like the united states failing to take any position on it the united states has now pledged another three billion dollars in weapons shipments to the government of ukraine which is openly glorifying nazis from their official channels okay very cool Zelensky, his official account posted a guy and he's wearing the 14th Waffen Grenader Division of the SS. It is a Nazi patch, okay, a part of the Waffen SS, the infantry of the German Nazi government. And we're giving those folks $3 billion. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, so those are actual terrorists because they're Nazis. Nazis are terrorists. I mean, we know that we've got evidence, but we are unwilling to say that these children's organizations, these human rights organizations are not terrorists, and we're not going to do anything to stop the Zionists from shutting them down physically or any other way. I remember a time when American Jews hated Nazis, but it seems like that time has long passed, and they're far more concerned about whether or not there's a record of occupation in Palestine. Remember when America hated Nazis? Uh, Crazy. Yeah. Now we're funding them again. I want to talk about a story that comes out of my own community, out of the suburbs of Chicago. There's a lot of Palestinians in the suburbs of Chicago, primarily in the South and the West Side. And so this story comes to us from Oakland, uh, Southwest suburb of Chicago, some of you may have seen a viral video circulating on social media showing a young 
Palestinian male being brutally beaten by three police officers. The video was actually filmed by a woman who had stopped her car and witnessed the incident. It shows two officers on top of uh, the Palestinian boy and one standing aside, and they're repeatedly beating him in the head and the body. Um, at some point, the third officer appears to place his knee on the Palestinian boy's head or neck before the three uh, officers finish handcuffing them. The boy has been identified as Hadi Abu Atla. He's a 17-year-old Palestinian-American and rising high school senior from Bridgeview. And he has, since the attack, sustained multiple injuries, including fractures to his pelvis and face. He suffered internal bleeding to the brain. He was um, transferred to the hospital in critical condition. It took almost a week for his health to stabilize enough for him to be released from the hospital into police uh, custody. And this incident is reviving questions about the use of police brutality, of course, on black and brown people, people of color, minorities in general, and is definitely showing how Palestinians in in exile, in moments uh, where, you know, in spaces where, where we think, okay, we've escaped the apartheid state, we've escaped, you know, the, the, the belly of the beast, the place where, where we really are at most risk of state violence, are, haven't really escaped at all because we are being viewed through, you know, the same lens by the oppressive forces at work in the places that we are in. I am curious about the level of police violence that comes out of the Southwest suburbs to Palestinians or Arab communities in general, because there are huge, huge Arab communities, mostly Palestinian, but Syrian, Jordanian, and Iraqi, and others as well. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if those levels of police violence were inflated and obviously far worse than what white individuals face when they encounter the police. And I'd like to highlight a story of a friend of mine. Her brother was murdered by the police in Long Beach on May 27th, 2015. Long Beach Police Department officer Matthew Hernandez murdered Ferraz Morad. And he was an upstanding citizen. He was a sweet boy who had his whole life ahead of him. He was a brilliant student, and he was stolen. He was stolen from his family because of the way the police are trained to interact with people of color. It is an automatic suspicion of guilt, a suspicion of danger until neutralized, basically, right? And even then, we've seen where people are bleeding out and they still get handcuffed. AAAN, which is an organization in the suburbs of Chicago working on issues related to discrimination of Arab Americans, actually published a report in July 2022 exposing a surveillance and data get gathering program used by Illinois law enforcement agencies against Arabs, Muslims, and other communities of color, including obviously Palestinians, and putting all of these communities into the U.S. counterterrorism nexus. And the report finds that police departments like Oakland's police department participate in programs which have the effect of targeting and criminalizing Arabs and Muslims for everyday activities, 
and stereotyping them as the local face of the enemy abroad. So some of these um, tactics which are traditionally exported and used within the context of foreign policy end up being applied at home against Arabs, Muslims, and people who look like Arabs and Muslims in the U.S. And it's the same type of state violence that we allow to take place every single day against black and brown people now being applied to Arabs and Muslims and people that look like part of the struggle against police brutality is a struggle really against police brutality against so many different communities. And that's why I'm hesitant to congratulate Palestinians for getting involved in like high ranking police positions. You know what I mean? I've seen that a few times where it's like, this is the first Palestinian as like the head chief of police. And I'm like, yes, still a cap. You know what I mean? I don't care. We should know better than that. No. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's participating in the oppression Mm -hmm. of other people for your own benefit. That proximity towards whiteness, that proximity towards supremacy Bro, it doesn't matter. You're on the other side of the apartheid gate here. I've totally seen those posts circulating too. Yeah. And I don't fuck with that at all. Same. Just want to shout out Khalil Awada, who is a Palestinian political prisoner that's been on hunger strike for over 180 days and has been protesting the apartheid states holding him in administrative detention without charge or trial. And Palestine has been posting some really emotional videos of him reuniting with his family while he is in the midst of this hunger strike. And it's just so, so, so touching and and just devastating, you know, to watch him with his daughters. And I'm sitting here thinking like, what would any of us, would any, like, how much are we actually willing to give up to live free? You know, we talk a lot about freedom and you know, remember George Bush tried to tell us that the Iraqis hated us for our freedom. And so that's why we had to, you know, invade their country and kill a million of them. Right. But people who actually are fighting for freedom are willing to actually sacrifice themselves and their own lives and their own possibility of everything. Right. Everything at the hope that maybe their family or their communities might live freer. Right. And it's like, are you willing to go on a hunger strike for? For almost like 180 days, are you willing to do that? Would you be willing to do that? I don't know. And the reality is so many Palestinians are forced into this dilemma, are, are forced into thinking about what am I willing to do to, to get free, to have rights, to have my family have rights. And so many of them that end up being arrested and placed under Israel's abhorrent policy of administrative detention, they have no rights of defense. They aren't even told what charges are being brought against them. Many times there are no charges being brought against them. The only thing that they can do is go on hunger strike. And so they do it. And many of them end up being released when they are like moments away from death, because that's their only way to fight for freedom in that context. And so, I mean, watching these videos with Khalid Awada and his daughters, now he's in this hospital bed, It's just so devastating. He should be at home enjoying his daughters, watching them grow up, watching them, playing with them, watching them, you know, go to school. That's what he should be doing. But instead, because of the apartheid state, he is chained to a hospital bed on hunger strike for 180 days because the apartheid state has decided to kidnap him, to hold him 
without any charge, not to tell him why he's being held, you know, and... And they're like, and he's a terrorist. We won't tell you why. You see, this is a common thread. We've got the information. But we won't We're tell just you. not going to give it to you. Meanwhile, you should give us the bullet we killed Shireen Abu Akhla with. I mean, the bullet that killed Shireen Abu Akhla. Sure. Just sick. Earlier this week, on August 23rd, the body of Palestinian martyr May Afano was returned to her family by the occupation well over a year after she was murdered in cold blood on June 16th, 2021, while driving in the occupied neighborhood of Abu Dis. So we mentioned this story because while the occupation was handing over her body to her family, two of the Zionist soldiers are pictured in that photo, smiling, laughing. It's a truly creepy photo. It's really, really sick. And it just goes to show the mental state of these people that are occupying us. And by the way, one of them is a woman. So, you know, it's a girl chick. boss. She's got, she's got her hand on, a, on, on an automatic rifle of sorts while she's, and she's got her phone in her hand. Like an iPhone. We love an ice queen in the desert. And she's laughing while they return the dead body of this Palestinian mother to their family over a year after they murdered her. And stole her body. Because as we mentioned, they keep the bodies in a freezer and they number the bodies. And then sometimes they return the wrong body. And sometimes they return the body missing organs. Or sometimes they don't return the body at all. That yeah. children's organization is a terrorist organization. You can see a photo of May's daughter had to wait over a year to say goodbye to her mother because the Zionist occupation kidnapped her mother's body for a year after they murdered her. And, you know, I don't know what exactly. She was killed by the occupation while she was driving. That's what Nerdine's poster says. So she, she was killed while she was driving. Okay. Just, 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 just another one of those extrajudicial assassinations, executions that happens of Palestinians going about living their lives, you know, their day-to-day -day lives under occupation, could be killed at any time. And in her case, she was. Oh, you think they won't shoot Palestinians for driving? They shoot Israelis for just coming back to their post. Folks, that's been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Check out our website, www.palestinepod.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at thepalestinepod. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com and find us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash palestinepod. That's been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. Do 